Before the Fellowship was the greatest story you've never heard. I'm Greg. I'm Cameron. And I'm Dan. Join us as we read and react to The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Last time we concluded chapter 17, three main houses of men emerged. The Haladin, who dwell in small homesteads and for the most part separate themselves from the elves. The people of Beor, who hold close friendship with King Finrod Felagund and Nargothrond. And the people of Hador, the mightiest of men from whose line came Baron one hand. Today begin chapter 18, which is found on page 150 of the second edition. Chapter 18 of the ruin of Beleriand and the fall of Fingolfin. Now Fingolfin, king of the north and high king of the Noldor, seeing that his people were become numerous and strong, and that the men allied to them were many and valiant, pondered once more an assault upon Angband, for he knew that they lived in danger while the circle of the siege was incomplete, and Morgoth was free to labor in his deep mines, devising what evils none could foretell ere he should reveal them. This counsel was wise according to the measure of his knowledge, for the Noldor did not yet comprehend the fullness of the power of Morgoth, nor understand that their unaided war upon him was without final hope, whether they hasted or delayed. But because the land was fair and their kingdoms wide, most of the Noldor were content with things as they were, trusting them to last and slow to begin an assault in which many must surely perish were it in victory or in defeat. Therefore, they were little disposed to hearken to Fingolfin, and the sons of Feanor at that time least of all. Among the chieftains of the Noldor, Angrod and Agnor alone were of like mind with the king, for they dwelt in regions whence Thangorodrim could be descried, and the threat of Morgoth was present to their thought. Thus the designs of Fingolfin came to naught, and the land had peace yet for a while. But when the sixth generation of men after Beor and Marak were not yet come to full manhood, it being then four hundred years and five and fifty since the coming of Fingolfin, the evil befell that he had long dreaded, and yet more dire and sudden than his darkest fear. For Morgoth had long prepared his force in secret, while ever the malice of his heart grew greater and his hatred of the Noldor more bitter. And he desired not only to end his foes, but to destroy also and defile the lands that they had taken and made fair. And it is said that his hate overcame his counsel so that if he had but endured to wait longer until his designs were full, then the Noldor would have perished utterly. But on his part, he esteemed too lightly the valor of the elves and of men he took yet no account. 
there came a time of winter when night was dark and without moon and the wide plain of Ardgalen stretched dim beneath the cold stars from the hill forts of the Noldor to the feet of Thangorodrim. The watchfires burned low and the guards were few. On the plain, few were waking in the camps of the horsemen of Hithlum. Then suddenly, Morgoth sent forth great rivers of flame that ran down swifter than Balrogs from Thangorodrim and poured over all the plain and the mountains of iron belched forth fires of many poisonous hues and the fume of them stank upon the air and was deadly. Thus, Ardgalen perished and fire devoured its grasses and it became a burned and desolate waste full of a choking dust, barren and lifeless. Thereafter, its name was changed and it was called Anfoglith, the gasping dust. Many charred bones had their, their roofless grave, for many of the Noldor perished in that burning, who were caught by the running flame and could not fly to the hills. The heights of Dorthonion and Arid Wethrin held back the fiery torrents, but their woods upon the slopes that looked towards Angband were all kindled and the smoke wrought confusion among the defenders. Thus began the fourth of the great battles, Dagor Bragolak, the Battle of Sudden Flame. In the front of that fire came Glaurung, the golden, father of dragons in his full might. And in his train were Balrogs, and behind them came the black armies of the orcs in multitudes such as the Noldor had never before seen or imagined. And they assaulted the fortresses of the Noldor and broke the leaguer about Angband and slew wherever they found them, the Noldor and their allies, gray elves and men. Many of the stoutest of the foes of Morgoth were destroyed in the first days of that war, bewildered and dispersed and unable to muster their strength. War ceased not wholly ever again in Beleriand, but the Battle of Sudden Flame is held to have ended with the coming of spring when the onslaught of Morgoth grew less. Thus ended the Siege of Angband, and the foes of Morgoth were scattered and sundered one from another. The most part of the Grey Elves fled south and forsook the Northern War. Many were received into Doriath, and the kingdom and strength of Thingol grew greater in that time. For the power of Melian, the queen, was woven about his borders, and evil could not yet enter that hidden realm. Others took refuge in the fortresses by the sea and in Nargothrond, and some fled the land and hid themselves in Osiriand, or passing the mountains, wandered homeless in the wild and rumor of the war and the breaking of the siege reached the ears of men in the east of Middle-earth. The sons of Finarfin bore most heavily the brunt of the assault, and Angrad and Agnor were slain. Beside them fell Bregolas, lord of the house of Beor, 
and a great part of the warriors of that people. But Barahir, the brother of Bregolas, was in the fighting further westward near the pass of Sirion. There, King Finrod Felagund, hastening from the south, was cut off from his people and surrounded with small company in the fen of Serek. And he would have been slain or taken, but Barahir came up with the bravest of his men and rescued him and made a wall of spears about him, and they cut their way out of the battle with great loss. Thus, Felagund escaped and returned to his deep fortress of Nargothrond. But he swore an oath of abiding friendship and aid in every need to Bardahir and all his kin. And in token of his vow, he gave to Bardahar his ring. Bardahir was now by right lord of the house of Beor, and he returned to Dorthonian. But most of his people fled from their homes and took refuge in the fastness of Heathlum. So great was the onslaught of Morgoth that Fingolfin and Fingon could not come to the aid of the sons of Finarfin. And the hosts of, Hith of Hithlum were driven back with great loss to the fortresses of Eredwethrin, and these they hardly defended against the orcs. Before the walls of Aethelsirion fell Hador, the golden-haired, defending the rear guard of his lord Fingolfin, being then sixty and six years of age. And with him fell Gundor, his younger son, pierced with many arrows, and they were mourned by the elves. Then Galdor the Tall took the lordship of his father, and because of the strength and height of the shadowy mountains, which withstood the torrent of fire, and by the valor of the elves and the men of the north, which neither orc nor Balrog could yet overcome, Hithlum remained unconquered, a threat upon the flank of Morgoth's attack. But Fingolfin was sundered from his kinsmen by a sea of foes. For the war had gone ill with the sons of Feanor, and well nigh all the east marches were taken by assault. The pass of Aglon was forced, though with great cost, to the host of Morgoth, and Kelagorm and Kurifin being defeated, fled south and west by the marshes of Doriath, and coming at last to Nargothrond, sought harbor with Finrod Felagund. Thus it came to pass that their people swelled the, the strength of Nargothrond, but it would have been better, as was after seen, if they had remained in the east among their own kin. Maedros did deeds of surpassing valor, and the orcs fled before his face. For since his torment upon Thangorodrim, his spirit burned like a white fire within, and he was as one that returns from the dead. Thus, the great fortress upon the hill of Himring could not be taken, and many of the most valiant that remained, both of the people of Dorthonion and of the East Marches, rallied there to Maedros. And for a while, he closed once more the Pass of Aglon, so that the orcs could not enter Balerion by that road. But they overwhelmed the riders of the people of Feanor upon Lothlan, for Glaurung came thither and passed through Maglor's Gap, 
and destroyed all the lands between the arms of Gelion. And the orcs took the fortress upon the west slopes of Mount Rerir and ravaged all Thargelion, the land of Cardinthir, and they defiled Lake Helivorn. Thence they passed over Gelion with fire and terror and came far into East Beleriand. Maglor joined Mithras upon Himring, but Cardinthir fled and joined the remnant of his people to the scattered folks of folk of the hunters, Amrod and Amras. And they retreated and passed Ramdal in the south. Upon Amon Ereb, they maintained a watch and some strength of war, and they had aid of the green elves, and the orcs came not into Assyrian, nor to Tar Imduanath and the wilds of the south. Now news came to Hithlum that Dorthonion was lost and the sons of Finarfin overthrown and that the sons of Feanor were driven from their lands. Then Fingolfin beheld, as it seemed to him, the utter ruin of the Noldor and the defeat beyond redress of all their houses. And filled with wrath and despair, he mounted upon Rokalor, his great horse, and rode forth alone, and none might restrain him. He passed over Dor Nufaglith like a wind amidst the, amid the dust, and all that beheld his onset fled in, a, in amaze, thinking that Orome himself was come. For a great madness of rage was upon him, so that his eyes shone like the eyes of the Valar. Thus he came alone to Angban's gates, and he sounded his horn and smote once more upon the brazen doors and challenged Morgoth to come forth to single combat. And Morgoth came. That was the last time in those wars that he passed the doors of his stronghold. And it is said that he took not the challenge willingly. For though his might was the greatest of all things in this world, alone of the Valar, he knew fear. But he could not now deny the challenge before the face of his captains, for the rocks rang with the shrill music of Fingolfin's horn, and his voice came keen and clear down into the depths of Angband. And Fingolfin named Morgoth Craven and Lord of Slaves. Therefore, Morgoth came, climbing slowly from his subterranean throne, and the rumor of his feet was like thunder underground. And he issued forth clad in black armor, and he stood before the king like a tower, iron crowned, and his vast shield, sable unblazoned, cast a shadow over him like a storm cloud. But Fingolfin gleamed beneath it as a star, for his mail was overlaid with silver, and his blue shield was set with crystals, and he drew his sword, Ringil, that glittered like ice. Then Morgoth hurled aloft Grand, the hammer of the underworld, and swung it down like a bolt of thunder. But Fingolfin sprang aside, and Grand rent a mighty pit in the earth, when smoke and fire darted. Many times Morgoth essayed to smite him, 
and each time Fingolfin leapt away as the lightning shoots from under a dark cloud. And he wounded Morgoth with seven wounds, and seven times Morgoth gave a cry of anguish, whereat the hosts of Angban fell upon their faces in dismay, and the cries echoed in the Northlands. But at the last, the king grew weary, and Morgoth bore down his shield upon him. Thrice he was crushed to his knees, and thrice arose again, and bore up his broken shield and stricken helm. But the earth was all rent and pitted about him, and he stumbled and fell backward before the feet of Morgoth. And Morgoth set his left foot upon his neck, and the weight of it was like a fallen hill. Yet with his last and desperate stroke, Fingolfin hewed the foot of Ring hewed the foot with Ringil, and blood gushed forth black and smoking, and filled the pits of Grond. Thus died Fingolfin, high king of the Noldor, most proud and valiant of the elven kings of old. The orcs made no boast of that duel at the gate. Neither do the elves sing of it, for their sorrow is too deep. Yet the tale of it is remembered still, for Thorndor, king of eagles, brought the tidings to Gondolin and to Hithlum afar off. And Morgoth, Morgoth took the body of the elven king and broke it and would cast it to his wolves. But Thorndor came, hasting from his Eyrie among the peaks of Chrysagrim, and he stooped upon Morgoth and marred his face. The rushing of the wings of Thorondor was like the noise of the winds of Manwe, and he seized the body in his mighty talons and soared suddenly above the darts of the orcs. He bore the king away, and he laid him upon a mountaintop that looked from the north upon the hidden valley of Gondolin, and Turgon came, coming, uh, built a high cairn over his father. No orc dared ever after to pass over the Mount of Fingolfin or draw nigh to his tomb until the doom of Gondolin was come and treachery was born among his kin. Morgoth went ever halt of one foot after that day and the pain of his wounds could not be healed. And in his face, was the scar that Thorondor made. Great was the lamentation in Hithlum when the fall of Fingolfin became known, and Fingon, in sorrow, took the lordship of the house of Fingolfin and the kingdom of the Noldor. But his young son, Erainion, who is after named Gilgalad, he sent to the havens. In summary, ooh, this is a long one. Fingolfin, son of Finway and king of the Noldor, urges his people and the people of Beleriand to unite in battle against Morgoth, but few heed his call. Morgoth launches an all-out assault, sending rivers of fire through the northern lands and massive armies of dragons, balrogs, and orcs, thus beginning the fourth great battle, Dagor Bragolak, the Battle of Sudden Flame. Many mighty warriors fall in the onslaught. Ardgalen is made a wasteland. Some of the sons of Feanor flee southward, but Maedhros holds the hill of Himring. Fingolfin, seeing that Dorthonian is lost, 
flies to the very doors of Angban and challenges Morgoth to combat. He evades the blows of Grand, Morgoth's hammer, and deals Morgoth seven wounds, but he is ultimately defeated. Thorindor, the king of eagles, rescues Fingolfin's body and returns it to a peak outside Gondolin. Fingon takes up the lordship of the house of Fingolfin, and the north of Beleriand falls to the power of Morgoth. Yeah, it's over. It's over. Story's over. They lost. Yeah, that was sad. <clears throat> I mean, you kind of knew that, okay, if you're going to face him, he's, you're going to die. <laughs> it must have, like, crushed his pride, though. Morgoth's yeah. pride. Like, I love every line of that battle is like one you just gotta i mean look at my look at my book here so it's like usually, all underlined yeah it's usually i'm underlining like one thing in a page to talk about but um this was like thing. every every <laughs> line and then i just made boxes around things because it was yeah. so epic yeah so good well, well why don't we back up and go to the beginning of 18 chapter 18 um it's, it's kind of interesting to me that Fingolfin, he kind of saw this, right? Like they're, they're all kind of in this weird state, the Noldor, where there's relative peace and they're kind of, they kind of feel safe and secure, but they all know that there's a threat looming in the North. And so he tries to unite everybody in battle and they all just kind of like, oh, that's all right. We're good. We're good right now. And then, right. Just like, just in that moment, Morgoth just unleashes hell on the whole of Beleriand. But miscalculation because of his pride and greed. I love that bit too, yeah. Hate you, overcame his council uh, on um, 150. And it is said that his hate overcame his council so that if he had but endured to wait longer until his designs were full, like he had a plan, he actually had a plan, Yeah. Uh, then the Noldor would have been would have perished utterly but because he was like so greedy which i mean like you read what he sends after them right you right. got um glarung and that followed by a chain of balrogs it's like yeah, yeah this will do yeah um but somehow didn't do it, in in a sense that speaks to the valor of men and elves that they yeah. could resist that at all right and not be and and i would say too because part of what it describes is there were certain advantages that the elves had because of the, like the terrain, you know, and that's kind of the influence of the Valar from afar hmm. and Iluvatar ultimately, you know, that these mountains kind of halted the, the rivers of fire. <laughs> yeah. I found it interesting that um, I had to read this part a second time because it says, the Noldor didn't comprehend the fullness of the power of Morgoth, nor understand that their unaided war upon him was without final hope. Mm. Like, wait a second. You're not saying it's hard. You're saying it's without final hope. And then I read later that the Noldor would have perished utterly if his designs were full. So I'm like, wait a second. So I went back and reread it, and it then I noticed the word unaided war upon him was without yeah. final hope. And it's the fact that if it was just the Noldor, um, it would be without final hope. But mm. he didn't know. 
of the men he took yet no account, it says. And obviously we don't know what, what role the Valar will continue to play in the story either. Right. Tolkien uses that a lot, strength in numbers, having like yeah. different races and peoples come together to conquer an absolute evil. You know, we made a lot of fun of Agnor. Oh, Agnor. Yes. Yeah. What peace. a loser. And Brigolas as well. Short-lived. Brigolas. I know. You, Ignor didn't you, really you, do anything. You took his name and then he died. Yeah. Yeah. Eggnog. Yeah. Eggnog was an Speaking of names, on Foglith is the perfect name for something that means the gasping dust. <laughs> it is oh, yeah. so good on Foglith, or however yeah. it's pronounced. Tolkien must have just had so much fun coming up with these names. Yeah. yeah. The language, putting the language together to really evoke the sense of the word, even just from hearing the sound, you know? Um, the eagle is a cool name too. Thor Ondor. Um, it sounds so eagly. Well, yeah, because condors are the biggest bird of prey in, on Earth, like in real real Earth, not Arda. Um, they're and massive Thor, birds. So you got Ondor, and then Thor flies is like around with his hammer. The greatest warrior. So it's like Thor Ondor is is a really cool name, and and of course he loved Nordic. Um, I wonder if he he like. That's a conscious thing, like mm. etymology, like Thor, Condor, Thorondor. Mm. And also, I, I actually, I mean, I was muted, but when, when the eagle came in and like, like just scathed his face, yeah, I, I, I went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you couldn't hear me because I was muted, but it, it was a cool moment. Because that was just so brutal that he like takes his body, breaks it, and then is going to feed it to yeah. filthy wolf wolves yeah i love that because we i think we've established in the past that um thorondors and the eagles are kind of subservient to manway in some way hmm. um so yeah the last is, time we saw them was at the rescue of medros yeah did, did we see thorondor before or was this is our first time seeing thorondor it was it was thorondor i yeah. believe and i think you can interpret that as, because as far as we know, the Valar are hidden, but they still care for, like, you know, the Noldor have forsaken them in a sense, but they still care about them and they still oppose Morgoth. And so it's, you could almost interpret it as Manwe wanted to preserve Fingolfin from, like, a, an undignified death or, like, he wanted to at least give him the, you know, the dignity of being buried properly. I like that the, the orcs aren't even rejoicing after Fingolfin dies. Cause it's like, it's just a tragedy. Like he's almost too much, too noble, too, too dignified of a character to even have the orcs celebrate, you know, that duel. Mm. That's how I read it. Oh, that's interesting. I like. I thought it was so curious. I didn't know what it meant. Um, I thought it made they made sense of it later on because he, he being Morgoth, had his foot like horribly wounded and is embarrassed of that, and then had his face marred. Like I thought it was like if I mention oh, if, if I mention anything about this fight around <laughs> him, like he's not proud of the fight. Right. No one's proud of the fight because it was right. really bad. That's how I took it. Yeah. 
Like you wouldn't brag about this, even though you were yeah. on the winning side, because you got your butt kicked in the process. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it comes right after this line. It says, "Thus died Fingolfin, High King of the Noldor, most proud and valiant of the Elven kings of old." The orcs made no boast of that duel at the gate. Neither did the elves sing of it, for their sorrows too deep. Yeah, and but like, but it's pointing to the future, right? In the future, they're not gonna, they will never make a boast of it, kind of thing. And the elves will never sing of it, is what it's implying. Um, which made me think that, oh wait, orcs have a conscience. They don't have a conscience. They're filthy. Um, later on, mm. you you just hear where, where is it? There is a line that kind of sort of explains it. Um, uh, okay, so you, you got the foot crushed, and then later on it says there's a, a scar that couldn't be heal, uh, healed. So he's limping, um, and no orc dared ever to... Yeah, this is curious as well. No orc dared ever to, after to pass over the Mount of Fingolfin or draw nigh his tomb until, until the Doom of Gondolin. Is this... Is this just fear of like people paying respects to Fingolfin will be there and then just slay the orcs and they were just terrified of that? Um, Probably just terrified of him, of his spirit, of his yeah, his memory. His spirit kind of lingers there or something, and they just don't want anything to do with him, even in death. Crazy. Yeah, this was it, like you said, Cameron earlier. Like this battle, every every line was just it was. Which was good. It was hard. Yeah. You knew yeah. going into the battle that you weren't coming out of it with Fingolfin. Like Fingolfin right. was staying there. But in but I'm still rooting for the battle. Like I I was moved at his courage. Yeah. You, you might call it foolhardiness, but I just saw so much courage in that. No, I, I didn't think it was foolhardy. I thought that he had a chance. Um Unfortunately, he grew tired, which is odd. But he, he should have done more cardio. Exactly. <laughs> if he'd been doing CrossFit or something like that, yeah. he wouldn't have that problem. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. He wasn't going to come up. Morgoth was just going to sit on his underground throne. Um, yeah, he teased him, didn't he? There was some kind yeah, of teasing. Yeah, he called him names. Craven yeah. and Lord of Slaves. Yeah, and it says for Morgoth alone of the Valar he knew fear, so he, Morgoth Ooh. has fear. He's afraid. That's a really good point. Where is that? Uh, last paragraph of one fifty three. It's at the kind of the top of that paragraph. Hmm. He knew fear. Wow, alone of the Valar he knew fear. Wow. But he couldn't deny the challenge. So he's he's kind of afraid of this. This elf, Fingolfin, who's just <laughs> rode alone to challenge him. He's probably heard about Fingolfin in different ways. You know, son of Fanor. It's like, oh, crap. Because he had a battle with Fanor, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Mm. I love this image, too, when, when Fingolfin rides to Angban. And he's just, like, in this rage. And yeah. everyone that sees him ride by is just like flees. Like I don't want anything to do with whoever <laughs> that is. And uh, and they they thought that it was Orome himself. He was so, you know. Um, and Orome is the uh, valor of um, like the warrior, the horse warrior, right? Yeah, he's the one that he's rides often his seen horse, just riding. Nehar. 
Nahar and uh, his, his horn and stuff. That's he just cool. was like ablaze with rage. Yeah, to be mistaken for one of the basically <laughs> right. gods is right. Right. <laughs> and shout out okay. to Grand. Grand, yes. Yeah. That's what I was about to the say. same Grand. I think it's, so. It's always. It's always. Uh, I looked this up. Yeah. Oh, the great. the because around right now, so he named the battering ram okay. after this hammer. This oh, is like okay. The hammer of of Morgoth. Nice. And for so you, people listening, they might not remember that um, in the which which film, which book or film is probably what they're going to remember. Return of the King. Return of the King. Um, you might remember the big battering ram, and then you have that like hideous, massive orc running with a torch through the crowd. To no, that's not the one. That's Helm's. That was in Helm's. That's, you know, that's Helm's. Okay. No. The so Dan, it's that huge. No, thing. I know what it is. I oh, thought okay. it was the same scene. I thought that. I thought that the yeah no that doesn't make sense. I thought it preceded uh, them battering. No, so I thought, it's that, I thought in it the was films, scene, one, scene when it's he's scene running, when, they blow it up and then yeah, they batter it. down that's a door with a big it. battering ram that looks. Well, like you're a wolf. mixing two films. I'm mixing yeah. two films. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So that's the one where it's a big battering ram that it's like wolf shaped or something. Yeah, it's, it's shaped and, like yeah. the wolf of Angband. Kakaroth. And then um, nice Karkaroth. And then it. That's when like Gandalf's with the with the soldiers of Gondor. His, whatever yeah, it's comes, like whatever through, comes through that gate. Yeah. Stand your so, ground. And they're they're chanting Grand. Grand. Yeah. Grand. 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 You can imagine that they have this lore about Grand and Morgoth's hammer, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're using it to batter this door down. Like that's just when you know the lore of it, it's so intense. Yeah. Hey, I just have an image I'm gonna share. How- of Grand, like when it, you know, swung it down like a bolt of thunder. And, and whenever he hit the ground, it made a mighty pit in the earth when smoke and fire darted. It's just like. Ooh. This is sweet. So I'm sharing an image of Fingolfin at the gate. It's cool because he's lit up. You can see him at the bottom of the gate, like shining in his. With his horse his bind. Armor, horse bind him and. Morgoth is emerging from the caverns. He has, There's all he kinds of these, creatures. Like, yeah, these wolves or whatever. And is that so a cool. uh, Balrog up in there as well? Up here? Up in the towers or something, maybe? In the middle. That's weird. Hmm. It looks that like... that cleft hanging from the side. And then even further up as well, you've got like... Oh, it looks like the eagle up there. The very, very top. It's like eagle bats overlooking. Or bats. Maybe. Weird. It's so it's yeah. so well done. Um, I have one final point I, I want to make, or just to highlight for future reference. So Fingolfin passes. Fingon becomes the lord of the house of Fingolfin, and thus the lord of all the Noldor in Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. And then it says, "But his young son." This is the very last sentence that we read. His young son. Erin Neon, <laughs> yeah, who was what? after named Gilgalad, which is much easier to say. He yeah. was sent to the Haven. So, Gilgalad is one of the. He's one of like the last remaining elves in Middle Earth at the time of the War of the Ring and everything. He's he was with Elendil and Elrond fighting against Sauron. Nice. Oh a, wow! So Gilgalad is like a. Was he slain of, at the War of the Ring? I don't believe so. I think he survived it. Oh no, he. I, maybe he was. 
We'll have to look that up again. Someone will tell us if Gilgalad survives the War of the Ring. But um, yeah, he he is awesome. He has like this big spear, and uh, so we'll hear more about him in the future. But awesome. So yeah, we just saw we just read about like the absolute destruction of. I mean, some of the sons of Fanor are dead now. Some of the sons of Finarfin are dead. It's just like. Total defeat. Sad. So we'll see. We're we got the other half of this chapter coming up. I wonder if things are gonna get better. I don't know. Probably not right away. Probably we're, not we're not even halfway through the book. We're close. <laughs> we're close. We're close. It's we're getting, getting bad. It's getting bad. <laughs> All right. Well, if you like what you hear, go ahead and rate us three Silmarils out of three. Follow us everywhere before the fellowship. Join the discussion on Discord and send any comments or questions to before the fellowship at gmail.com join us next week as we read the greatest story you've never heard the Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien